Welcome to Westside Unscripted, the podcast where pastors loosen their ties, throw away their notes, and answer questions about all things theology and culture. And uh, I'm Josh Bartels, the assistant to the pastors here at Westside, and I'm joined by Pastor Peter, and he's here without a tie, without notes, and ready to answer a question from one of our members. I just feel like the throwing, I, I never wear a tie, so the throwing away the tie part is always thrown before Luke. <laughs> I do normally have notes, though I didn't prepare any notes that I've now thrown away, but yeah, yeah. I do normally have notes. So the absence of notes is definitely a new, that's definitely a new thing for yeah, the podcast. That, that's distinctive to the podcast. Yes, absolutely. Uh, do, do you have notes? What other things, what is something, what is the most uh, bizarre thing you've had notes for? Oh my. Is there something really specific and detailed that you've made notes for that? no one else in the world would have made a note for. I mean, the list of things I haven't made notes for is definitely shorter than the <laughs> list of things I've made notes for. Okay. Yeah, well, you know, one day maybe we'll have a good uh good I think story actually time. the uh, the fun, the, <laughs> the oddest, if I'm going to have full confession, um, which I didn't refer to these, this last baby dedication, because, you know, I remembered what to do. But I think... The, the one that Ashley has gotten the biggest kick out of is I had like detailed notes of like exactly what to do with the baby when I did my first baby dedication, uh, okay. you know, describe yeah. the baby, hand the baby back to the parents, like exactly what to do at each stage so that mm-hmm. I, you know, didn't mess it up, um, which I, I didn't read those notes, but I think that's probably, them. I do have them. Nice. Well, so that, yeah, just in case, just to keep things from going off the rails. So, so what have you, you've, what have you been reading? What have you been finding, uh, helpful, interesting this week? Well, I've been reading a bunch of different stuff, um, but there was one book I wanted to talk about, uh, and that is Christine Cohen's The Winter King. Usually I talk about, you know, theology and culture books. This is a story, sort of middle grade, uh, maybe upper middle grade fiction. Uh, Some of you may know Christine Cohen wrote The Winter King. This is her second book, uh, and it's called The Sinking City. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it. We have it in the bookstore now. It's a really just a romping, fun story. Um, the first, uh, the, the Winter King uh, has more of like a mythic sort of feel. And uh, the Sinking City has more of a um, fairy tale, but like non-Disneyfied fairy tale, which is how, that's how the author uh, describes them. Uh, and I think that's really accurate. So it's a really fun world. It's set in sort of an alternative reality version of Venice. Um, for those of you who have read uh the Tale of Jonathan Strange and Mr. Norrell, the world feels a lot like that. It's not that. It's different from Strange and Norrell. But uh, it's a, a novel by Susanna Clark that was written for adults. But it uh, it feels, she's obviously read it and gotten inspiration. It's not by any means plagiarizing, but it feels like that sort of, it, in, in a way, like not completely. But anyways, yeah. that's... Have you read Strange and Oral? No, I haven't. It's, but it's a set in the uh, in London. Is yeah, is well, it's it set, set all London? over England. Oh, okay. But but they do go they do go to it, it, Italy at one point. Maybe Venice okay. even. Wow. So there's a there's a portion of it that's set in Italy, but just some of the feel is similar. Yeah. But it's a sort of like magical world. But the really to me the big takeaway the reason I would mention it on this sort of podcast is because it's a book written by a Christian. It's not like really explicitly Christian, um, but it it takes the trope of like girl tries to make it in a boy's world and like everything in our culture dis- from disney takes like girl and boy's clothes to like suddenly she's so liberated from the constraints of her femininity and she discovers how wonderful it would be if she didn't have to be a woman um and it takes that and turns it inside out i i won't spoil the ending of the story but it takes it and it undermines it turns it inside out 
<laughs> yeah, if you were so to describe, knocks this, it on its head and yeah. dumps a, like a cement load on top of it. <laughs> so you haven't described the plot exactly, but it's basically a girl. Oh yeah, I didn't. I didn't up, give any introduction. Ends up to having the plot. to act like a boy to escape danger, and she terrible has to, danger over the course of time, like so a prolonged uh, pretending to be a boy. But it is, but so if you were to describe that in an our cultural setting, it would be immediately like red flags. I'm going to screen this to make sure my kids it's okay. But th- this story does exactly what you're saying. It takes that idea and says, Hey, let's see what that r- is really like. And, uh, tells a fun story that turns that whole thing on its head. And it's, really yeah, it just like, it, you know, I'm not, I'm not a girl, you know, obviously I'm not like, so it's, you know, written by a woman with the main character as a girl. I loved it as a story, but I would imagine if. I was a girl and I was thinking that would be cool. <laughs> it would completely subvert those ideas and leave you longing to be what God made you to be. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think that is tremendously valuable in our society. Um, and, you know, it also shows what happens when men don't do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot of father failure and you know, young men who fail to be what they're supposed to be. And then also some who do step up. Um, to the plate in significant ways. Um, yeah, it doesn't so, candy coat the problem with men right, while exactly. dealing with the right. issue of uh, femininity. Yeah. yeah, I mean, it's it's a fairy tale in the classic sense of like the world is out of control and people have to do <laughs> really courageous stuff. It's more like a fairy tale like St. George and the Dragon than like, you know, Disneyfied fairy tale princess, yeah. you know, where it's it's got those layers of darkness and scariness, but yeah, I thought it was really good. Cool, we'll and check that out. The, the second store. thing I wanted to mention... Um, and it has a connection to this because on this podcast, Josh mentioned this and disconnected because I, we both already read it, uh, in, so Josh has a podcast, some of you may not know that called the Foxfire Farmhouse. And this is, he did not ask me to mention his podcast <laughs> and I have not mentioned it till now, but his last episode, uh, I think it's titled something. So I guess now there's another episode I haven't listened to about, uh, something about the story of Esther, but his is about digital media and storytelling. And this last one uh, deals with some essays by C.S. Lewis on storytelling. And I just thought it was, it's he and Elijah Heyman do it together. And it was a really insightful conversation. I thought it was really, really good. And I'd like to commend that to you. Now, I will give one disclaimer. I told, <laughs> I told Josh when we were talking before the podcast, and I said that I was going to mention that, I would give this disclaimer. Josh and I do not always see eye to eye on what movies Christians should watch. So we've had some robust discussions about that. But I found uh, the episodes of the podcast that I've listened to have been really thoughtful, helpful beneficial and uh i think if you're interested in storytelling you should look that up and uh particularly that episode was really good wonderful yeah we we enjoy doing it so well let's get on we should we should get on to what we're supposed to be talking about today's uh topic here for this podcast and that is going to be polygamy so here's the question it's a little (laughs) bit it's a little bit longer of a question so we'll have to sit with it for just a second but here we go Now, obviously, polygamy was a thing in the Bible. So, and this is coming from the person who wrote the question. I've long held the viewpoint that multiple wives, having multiple wives is wrong in general. But if a man already has them, he ought not to divorce them down to one. And that if a man with multiple wives come to Christ, he ought to instead maintain his wives and be the best husband to them that a Christian can be because that's the responsibility he's taken for them. He's got headship over them. And so that's what he should do. So here we go. Firstly, do you agree with that kind of approach to uh, a polygamist who comes to Christ? Why or why not? And then secondly, uh, what would how would you approach then the reverse issue of a polyamorous woman? Now that stuff like that's becoming more popular in society where you've got a woman with multiple men, what would you recommend to the woman 
So here we go. A big ethical deep dive. <laughs> oh, into, wow. Into, the first, uh, the, first, the sting was the tail on things. that one. Yeah. <laughs> 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 the, yeah, that was uh, the first part of the question is pretty straightforward. Um, you know, yes, I don't, you know, I think that even if there's something, you know, because this is, I think God hates divorce. Um, and so if someone is actually married, and clearly, you know, scripture portrays that there can be situations where someone can actually be married to more than one woman. And that's not the case in America. You know, one marriage would be legally invalid in some way. Uh, but there are countries where this is a real issue. Um, and there have been divergencies of missionary practice. I strongly agree. A man has multiple women. He's taken to himself. He's married to them legitimately. He's not living. He's not, you know, polyamorous in, in terms of having just multiple relationships. But he actually has multiple wives. He's responsible for their care. And he's responsible. I mean, you know, we find this principle in Exodus. It's addressed to a polygamous society. You take another wife. You're responsible to, you know, provide food, provide clothing, and provide intimacy. So it's not, you know, making making one, you know, all the wives live as widows except for one. You're responsible to provide everything that you provide in a marriage to all the women that you've married. Um, and so to me, that's clear. And so, you know, it's not, ex you know, the uh, we're going to be talking quite a bit about the biblical commandments here in the next few weeks in the series on Exodus. It's not um, saying that this was God's creational plan for society to be structured in that way. But it is teaching us what God's justice looks like in so the, the law codes that make provision for, you know, for polygamy. It's not saying polygamy is a good thing. Jesus makes it clear God's creational intent for marriage is found in Genesis. And, you know, God didn't, you know, provide Adam with Eve and Edith. He just provided him with Eve. So that's the creational plan. But we live in a world um, in which there are, you know, are many deviations from that creational plan. And so, you know, in the time period of Israel, I mean, the two biggest ones would be slavery and polygamy. Um, and yet, uh, God shows what it would look like for God's righteousness to, you know, so if you have slavery as an accomplished fact, what would it look like to be a righteous slave owner and a righteous slave? You know, we, I think we may have mentioned that at some point, um, in the household codes in the new Testament, that's still an issue. Um, if you have a world in which polygamy is an accomplished fact, what would it look like? for the gospel to be nudging that. Now, obviously, you shouldn't, you know, seek to replicate that and, you know, create that somewhere where it's not. But um, so to me, that, that part's pretty straightforward. I don't, you know, I think I would make a distinction between, you know, polyamorous relationship and a, I, mean, I don't think, I know I would. The question is like legally... So the problem is marriage is being so emptied out so that it's no longer inconceivable that you could have you know, a throuple or something where you have multiple men and one woman or something, but it, it just really seems like, I mean, so there hasn't been a society in history. There have been one or two odd societies that is debated if they were described accurately that had some sort of relationship like that, where you had, you know, one woman being shared by multiple men that just tends to work out so badly. Um, like men, don't hand wouldn't you know historically have not handled that very well that it doesn't seem to have really been an issue in many places i'm not saying it never has been so i'm struggling to imagine but i mean we've also have transgender so we have such a remaking of the creational order yeah. that it's whereas the it, it seems to me that if we were to look at both of these scenarios that one of them is hypothetical for our context, but we can look at Africa or other places right. and we can say it's not a hypothetical situation. It's a real right. one. Yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. hypothetical to us. 
Whereas the other one is really more hypothetical in general, because it doesn't seem to me that there are, are, well, I don't know of anything personally or historically where that kind of thing has been a legal common practice where you've got some kind of binding marriage agreement between multiple men and one woman. Right. And so we're moving in a direction that one can, at this point, one can imagine just about anything because there are no tethers <laughs> right. to like what people are doing. But uh, it seems to be more of a hypothetical that uh, that is really actually playing out a hypothetical. Yeah, well, it's, it's kind of like, you know, could you be married to a horse? Well, you know, I suppose our society could yeah. redefine something. I mean, that- we've had a we've had a, a there was a I believe it was in Sweden or somewhere in the, 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 the in Europe where there was a man who married his robot doll. The, you know, but it was so somehow it became a legal thing. So it, that thing can happen, but that's not a common practice. By well, I mean, means. so in, you know, in sort of like, you know, you have God's creational intent for marriage and then you have like marriage as, you know, for the reality of human hard heartedness that you have defined in Deuteronomy where a man takes a wife and he's responsible to provide certain things for that woman. He's taking on an obligation to provide those things. And, you know, it becomes then possible to take on that obligation for multiple women. Um, whereas what a woman is ultimately undertaking to provide is exclusive devotion to that man. Um, you know, that really is, you know, that's all that's, you know, she becomes his, that she is his is, is, is what is expected of her. So, you know, then in, in the same way that you would say, you know, a robot doll can't give exclusive devotion because a robot doll can't give devotion at all. Right. You know, and nor, you know, does a robot doll have any need, you know, it's not a human being. Mm -hmm. It can't. You can't marry, yeah. um, you know, whereas you could have a distortion of marriage, like polygamy is a, mm-hmm. you know, distortion, or you could have a bad marriage, whereas I would say, you know, marriage to a robot doll is marriage in name only, and yeah, isn't marriage absolutely. at all. Um, and so I think I would want to say something, you know, insofar, like it's a difficult thing to conceive because it hasn't really mm-hmm. been tried in any substantive way. Um, it, it's like so anti, it's like, you know, it's like transgenderism and, and some things like that, that it's so anti-creational that it's sometimes difficult to even know where to start because right. it yeah. is just so, <laughs> so contrary. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So I would suspect, I mean, if someone in that situation actually came to faith and tried to live as a Christian in other areas, because that's just so anti-creational, I would suspect the problem would be solved for them. Yeah. Um, and it would seem to me that, I mean, even the way that the question was worded was a polyamorous woman, uh, which is different than polygamy. Because right. polyamory is the love of multiple people, so it'd it would be, be polyand- the, polyandry would be if you right. actually had, you know, so pop, so and and from uh, from a near from man, so polyandry would okay. actually be the yeah, technical yeah. name for marrying multiple husbands. Okay, um, yeah. And I just, I, my suspicion would be that, yeah, it just it just seems to me that 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 idea of exclusive devotion to one one man in, in, in that there, you know, that obviously that's a creational intent that is supposed to be exclusive devotion both ways, but there are concrete things that the man is supposed to provide for the woman, um, that enable that shift to polygamy to take place in a lot of societies across a lot of places in a way that just doesn't, doesn't work in reverse. So I'm sure there'll be, (laughs) I'm sure there'll be, I just don't see that catching on widespread to be like a live issue for a lot of people. I sense it being more like a, yeah, but who Definitely. knows? We live in yeah, a crazy world. We do live in a crazy world. And who knows what uh, kind of <laughs> ethical dilemmas we'll have to untangle in the future. But uh, for oh, now, thankfully, that is mostly a hypothetical. So, 
Yeah, I don't know how far we've, you know, I think the first part of it was straightforward and the second part of it is <laughs> hypothetical and it's difficult to know. Like yeah, you'd have to know right. like the concrete, the exact, what's the, the concrete details of yep. what it would be. But indeed. Well, this has been another episode of West Side Unscripted. We've tackled <laughs> a uh, rather fun and hypothetical, interesting <laughs> question today. Uh, and uh, well, if you've got more of these, preferably not of the wildly hypothetical kind, because those ones can just lend themselves to speculation. But if you've got if you have any questions about theology and culture, we'd be glad to take a stab at them here on the podcast. So send them in to Josh at Bible Direction for Life, and we will get them queued up for later episodes. I have one more thing. Yes, go ahead. So we've got quite a few questions about uh, how Israel relates to the church, about the Ten Commandments, about the law and, and the gospel and all those things. That's been something that's been touched on a few times. And so I just wanted to mention that we're going to be covering some of that in more detail, not unscripted, uh, on Sunday nights in our Exodus series. Um, so we are getting to the Book of the Covenant in Exodus 19 through 24. Um, and so the next few weeks we'll be diving into some of that stuff in some more detail. And I've been sort of whistling by at subs, almost supersonic speeds, um, the past few weeks in Exodus. So I'm not going to slow down to Matthew speed or anything close. We're not going to go verse by verse, but I'm going to take a few weeks to, to, to dig, um, into some of these principles in a little bit more of a prepared way. So if you're interested in those questions, our Sunday night series in Exodus would be a place to come. Yeah, wonderful. Hear some of that. Yeah, we'll show up, show up for that Sunday nights at six o'clock here at Westside. Or uh, if you are listening to this somewhere beyond beyond the uh, geographical <laughs> uh, proximity of Westside, then you can uh, check out the Bible Direction for Life podcast. That's the, the preaching and teaching podcast of Westside, and uh, you'll be able to hear all of those and follow along with it there. Well, uh, thank you for joining us. We really appreciate each of you listening and those of you who send in questions. We appreciate your participation. And uh, we will join you again next week for more talk about theology and culture here on Westside Unscripted. Unscripted.